Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. We did my undergrad in social work, which is interesting to end up in ministry when you have a social work degree, but it's super fun. And then did a master's in Christian leadership. I'm actually ready to work on a doctorate. Now, before you get worried, I'm going to go really heady information. I mainly work with student ministry. I'm a student pastor. So you can't take sanctification, predestination, and, and take these things and bring them down to a, to a, a middle school. They're not going to like you very much. So um, I mainly work with students, and I also do small groups in men's ministry. It's a joy. It's a, I think I have the funnest job at Grace Church. I'll argue any day of the week. It's a blast. Uh, but I'm really excited for today. But before I get any further, I just wanted to uh, – you have one of the best pastors. Um, I love it. Every time we come to visit, we, we love to talk and get lunch with Pastor Willie and get to hear about what's going on. And I mean, he's just a servant. He's willing to give so much of his life to, to God's purposes and mission. You know, what, I, I was going to ask if Cornerstone, if you'd join me in praying for him and his family. So, Father, we thank you so much again, God, for what an example you have given us in Pastor Willie and God with the entire family and just the willingness to serve and to give their lives for a purpose that's bigger than themselves. So, God, I just ask that right now, Lord, would you be with them? We just speak over full healing over Pastor Willie's body right now in Jesus' name that, God, he can have many, 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 many more years of fulfilling ministry ahead of him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I love at the movies theme. They told me about this, and I was like, what, what's going to be a good movie? You know, you love Mr. Incredible, the Superman movies. But to be honest, I started thinking about it more, more philosophically. Why do we love the movies? Because they're great stories, Right. Yeah, you, you're not. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They're great stories. But the thing is, wouldn't we rather be in the story than just watching it? And so I thought about this. It's, it's, it's like football. Like I, I played football and I loved it. It was so much fun. You get to go hit people. But I, I, watching it from the stands is nowhere near as much fun as being on the field. And so I just figured I'm going to take this theme a little bit differently. We're going to talk about how to actually be, be in the game or be in the story. And so the opening idea is I remember I was a senior in college. I went to the best college in the world, by the way. You might know it, Virginia Tech. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. Any, any uh, Liberty, Liberty fans here? Okay, okay. You guys can take a second. It's okay. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and, you know, all my friends had been talking about their dreams, their hopes, their things, these, these amazing goals in life they had. And I, I was a little bit different. Like, I, I didn't know yet. And I remember this one afternoon, my, my roommate was gone. I was sitting at my w- little wooden desk. And I was just asking the question, why am I here? You see, here's the thing is I, I knew I had Jesus. I knew that God had a purpose on my life. I knew that he loved me and he, and he cared for me, but I had no idea what that was going to look like. I never forget. I was just sitting at the desk. The leaves were changing color outside the window. And I was just like, why am I here? And so maybe you've asked this question to yourself. Maybe you did it back in your teens or your 20s like I did. Or, or maybe even you found yourself at 40, 50, 60, and you're asking the question again, why am I here? You see, the thing is, God has a purpose for every season of your life, no matter where you are. And I want to get a little more practical with this, but uh, the, the thing is, you've got to start off with the right question. And, uh, and why am I here is great, but I'll ask this question, better for purpose, is what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Like, what breaks your heart? You see, there's things that God has put a difference in for you to make. And maybe you've looked around the world and you've seen these needs that are unmet. Maybe you looked around your, your, our nation and you've seen needs that are unmet. Maybe you've even looked around this community here in Lynchburg and you've seen needs that are unmet. Now, you know, as well as I do, we can't change the world on our own, 
right? We can't change the world. We can't change the nation. We, we, we can't change the community. But you can make a difference in someone's life. You can change the world for someone. And the better question, I'll take it even further, is maybe ask yourself this. Is what would you like people to line up and thank you for? Take a moment. Think about this. What would you want people to line up and thank you for? What would you want to line up and just say, man, just thank you so much for the difference you made in my life. What would you want people to line up and thank you for? The problem, though, with this whole uh, this whole what breaks your heart thing is it's going to cost you something. Right. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you life. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you missed opportunities. Like I know for me, when I started following Jesus, my friends were still partying. Like those were missed opportunities in my mind. And that at that time when I was still a teenager, I was missing out. But the thing is, God has a better purpose than that. And purpose will always trump those things. And you're going to discover this, though. When you get uh, enough stuff, we've heard it from people. I've heard so many testimonies, people well older, you know, 70s, 80s. They've made it, you know, Fortune 500 companies, CEOs, everything. They've gotten all the stuff. They've gotten all the success, all the fame. And they find themselves still looking into this mirror and saying, what was it all for? Did, it all, did any of it matter? And, and here's the thing, Cornerstone. If it's all about you... No, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You are just too small a purpose. If your whole life is devoted to just you, you're missing out on what God has for your life. And it's a weak impact. You're going to make it with it. And the thing is that God's putting all of us to make an impact. There's a reason we love those crazy stories, these amazing movies. These guys, who, these heroes, these heroines, they're making a difference in this, in this world. And that we're watching the story that we're seeing unfold. We love it. And it's in all of us. We want to make a difference. And if you get the right purpose, I'm trying to open this up for you guys. If you get the right purpose, you'll have a powerful story to come in your life, a powerful movie that one day maybe you can look back and watch of what God did in your life. And so, so here's what I've seen in other people's lives. Here's what I've been told and here's what I've even experienced is life without purpose is boring. Life without purpose is unfulfilling. And life without purpose is eternally meaningless. You see it all through Ecclesiastes. It's a great wisdom book, but man, it'll put you down if you're, if you're making your life all about you. And the good thing is that God does have a good purpose for your life. Uh, the cool thing, though, is it's going to be his purpose, which always is going to be better, bigger and better than what you have. And, and maybe you were like me and you didn't know what your purpose was in that season. Or maybe you have answered that question in your 20s and maybe you're in your 30s and you're at your 40s and your 50s and you're asking it again, why am I here? What is this purpose? Is it really just to raise a family? Is it really just to make it to retirement? Is it really just to make myself comfortable? And it's okay to ask these questions. But God does have an absolute purpose for you. And so I want to start off with this idea of Ephesians 2, 2.10. If you want to pull this up on the screen. It's really simple. I love it. Some of the scriptures are so simple and it's amazing. You don't have to have a doctorate to understand it. Jesus is he's, he's a good God. And so it says God has planned for us to do good things and to live as he has always wanted us to live. And this is why he sent Jesus to make us what we are. And I've got to say this a little side note, a little side note is God is a good father and he does it by saving his sinful children by his own goodness. 
you know, it talks about works and we always get in this little issue of like, do I work to earn God's love? No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. Stop right there. The good news is that Jesus did the work for you so you can enjoy God's love and then have a purpose for your life. So I always feel like I have to say that when I talk about these verses, but it's so powerful because God has actually planned it out for you. So maybe you don't know what your purpose is in this life where you are right now, but the thing is God does and he's a good father and he wants to reveal it to you. So we're going to get into this, and I love what my devotionals have been these last few weeks. I've been reading Colossians 1 over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's been incredible. Like, it's just, I feel like even though it's just such a short chapter, just so much is in it. And I want to actually go through some of this together in Colossians 1.25. I love it. Now, you understand that God has a purpose for your life, and it's going to be around what breaks your heart, um, but it's going to cost you something. And we're going to see this when Paul is talking here. And now, just a little bit of context, Paul is actually talking about his ministry, now, before you count them off and say, well, I'm not an apostle and I'm not going to write a New Testament. And I'm not going to do all those things. He's setting the example for where we are in our lives. So there's still truths that can apply to us, even just in whatever ministry and purpose God has for your life. And the first thing is, it starts off by saying, I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And I love it. He's saying, I'm here to serve. You know, no matter where you go in your life, the highest and most important place to be is to be a servant. I mean, if Jesus came to serve and we think we don't get to serve, then we're, I mean, we're missing out. It's better to give than to receive. And so I love that. He talks about being a servant. And then he says this, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. And the beautiful thing is that, you know, if you have given your life to Jesus, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter if you blew up in the car, you know, on, on the drive over here, <laughs> is that you're still a saint by his grace. But this is really powerful. He's actually given you something. This is a mystery, and I love it. It's a mystery. It took me so... I grew up in church, and I never realized that the gospel was a free gift out of eternal life that he would give to us. And it would come with purpose for every day of your life. But here's the cool thing. is It's a mystery, and that's been given to you, and you have to take this thing and take it somewhere. Like to your families, to your workplaces, to wherever your community is. Like you need to take this thing. It's, you're actually stewarding it. It's your responsibility. And now if you keep reading along with this, you'll see it too, a little bit more. It says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, I've loved the stories of, you know, I, I've worked in a restaurant for 10 years. This is like my first year actually not working in a restaurant. Um, you know, I, I did this little, little side gig. So you had to have side gigs sometimes for fun and for little financial stuff. But I always loved the difference that happened when I gave my life to Jesus um, and then started to actually follow him because I gave him up to Jesus as a teenager, but you know, you still have your rebellious phase, right? Anybody else ever had that happen, right? A little bit of that. Yeah, we are not, al- I'm not alone here. Good. Thanks for not leaving me up here to dry. <laughs> and so, but when I really started to follow him, people would see a difference in me. And he'd be like, why are you happy? That table just stiffed you. Why are you smiling? And it was a hope in me that I knew that all of this was going to work out for God's glory. And I started to be able to share this stuff. The world, see, the thing is, the world has enough of itself. It wants to see the children of God revealed. It wants to see that you have a hope in you. Like, I love these ladies. We were talking earlier, you have the biggest smiles. You're like lighting up the room, not just with color in the clothing, but like literally just who you are. I love it. Like, God, people want to see the hope that's in you. And so, if you keep reading, you're going to see more, though. It gets a little bit with the, with the little more serious. He says, we proclaim him. That hope isn't just shown. It's actually going to be shared. You're going to talk about him. You proclaim him, and you warn and you teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. All right, I'm going to get on a little side note. Your goal is to become a mature Christian. 
Your goal is to become a mature Christian. But hey, here's something that might step on your, I might step on your toes a little bit actually here. A mature Christian is not one who's memorized the entire Bible. In fact, if you gave me two people to choose between, one who memorized the entire Bible and didn't apply a word of it, and another person who knew one verse but was actually applying it to their life, I will 100% call that person more mature and I will 100% choose that person over the other. It's not enough to just know this thing. It's a mature word, a mature Christian is one who's applying it. You can know way less verses and, way, and you don't even know where they are in the Bible. But if you're actually living it out, that's maturity. And you can see it. We're going to get into some more of the, of the gospel and get a chance to see some of this. And he says this. I love the last part because it really encourages me because a lot of times we've, I'm not the only one who has, has this happen. I could be a workaholic. I'll be honest. I love, I love working for a purpose, but it can get a little too much sometimes if you don't, don't, you're not careful with it. He says this. I labor for this striving with his strength. With his strength that works powerfully in me. The good news about God's grace is he wants to do every single day with you like a good dad. He does. And so you're not just working to earn his love anymore. You're working alongside of him. You know, Jesus said, I do, I do what I see my father doing. It's like, it's like the, the dad who wants to bring the son into the workshop and show him how to cut wood. You know, Jesus being a carpenter for 30 years. It's just, it's just incredible. God wants to work with you. That's one of the best lessons I've learned from this, too. So whatever your purpose is, whatever you're going to sacrifice for, whatever you want people to line up and thank you for, it's going to cost you something, but God's going to work with you through it. Now, before I get into this, I'm going to get some practicals because I love practicals. Like, it's really cool if you tell me all these theological things. Like, I'm in my, ma- my, my master's classes, and I'm like, okay, this is really cool, but what do I do with this? Like, I'm going to get practical because that's just who I am. But before I do, there's two big lenses I need you to see this through. Whatever your purpose is, maybe it's a small purpose right now. It's, it's pouring coffee in the morning. Maybe it's a huge purpose. You're leading a company or, or you're having a, you know, I think one of the biggest purposes in the world is being a parent. Like, oh my gosh, like the things you go through to raise a child. <laughs> I, 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 hats off to you. Whatever the purpose is, it's going to accomplish two things. Someone say two. Two. Okay, the first one is going to be the Great Commission. They will always accomplish the Great Commission. And Jesus put it simply in Matthew 28. I love it. He says, all, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Again, it's not a, you don't, don't have them memorize a scripture that won't apply. It's the, the maturity comes from application. And he says this. He says, be sure of this. I will forget you and never be with you and leave you alone. No, he doesn't. He says, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age. He's a good dad. He's going to be with us. He just, God is awesome. He's so good. So whatever it is that God is calling your purpose to be, it will accomplish the goal of making disciples and teaching people how to follow Jesus. That will always happen. Even if it's just setting the example and, and maybe you're working in finances and you don't get around a lot of people often, you're still just setting the example of what it means. The second thing is it will accomplish the great commandments, which really is like a part A, part B. But I love it. It says in Matthew 22, it says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul and your mind. This is the first and most important commandment. Basically, all you got in you, you give that to God. Everything. You're, he's number one priority in the mornings, the, the whole way, your, your mind, your soul, your body, you're glorifying him in all the things. You're showing your love. You're returning the love back to him in those things. And the second commandment is just like it. He says, love others as much as you love yourself. Whatever you do in your purpose in life. 
whether you're a teenager, whether you're going into your 20s, whether you're going into your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 100s, Lord willing, you will accomplish these two things. You will accomplish the Great Commission and you will accomplish the Great Commandments. So it's a really easy lens. Now, all right, practicals. Someone say, tell me how. Tell me how. I love it. I, I cannot stand times when you don't get practical. Like that is the most important thing, hands down, is actually tell me how to apply this stuff, like Jesus said in the Great Commission. So when you find out what breaks your heart, whatever it is, when you find out what breaks your heart, you just got to get involved in it. All right, so maybe you, I've heard people talk about this all the time, and I totally agree. One of the biggest issues is that kids aren't being parented, not being parented well. Like, who's, who's setting these kids up for success? We see so many broken families, and, and we see so many you know, kids just having these issues. Like, who's setting these kids up for success? If what breaks your heart is, is the next generation, then, then get involved. Like, just step into it. Maybe it's helping out the Boys and Girls Club. Maybe it's helping out here at church and kids ministry or youth ministry. Whatever it is, get involved in it. Or maybe you, you get frustrated by the lack of welcoming at, at places. Like, it's just like you walk into a building and no one says hello to you. No, one, no one's kind to you and it breaks your heart. Like, aren't we supposed to be a community? Aren't we supposed to be a family? Then step in, be a greeter. Or at the very least, smile and get out of your seat and say hi to someone in the, in the greeting time. Like, it, it's uncomfortable for me too. I'm not, I'm not the best at it. But I, I want to do it because I want to be welcomed. So I go off and do it. Whatever breaks your heart, it could be small, it could be big. Or maybe it's, you're like frustrated, like I know it happened to me at, working at restaurants, when I, when I did work in restaurants, and it, you know, it's like, where is God in all of this? And so I started bringing him in there. I, I remember times where I was like begging my manager, like let me pray for us during our, during our meetings, and, he, and like getting the chance to do stuff like that, and getting all the servers together before we started our shift, and saying, you know, some of them weren't even believers, and were atheists, and saying, let's, all right, let's pray. And just saying a short, simple prayer, let them know that God loves them, has a purpose for that day and that shift. Like maybe you start a, a, a Bible study at your lunch or get a few guys or a few gals together and just do some prayer. Like you can make a difference. If it breaks your heart, then go, go be part of the solution. And I love it. And, and maybe it's domestic abuse. That stuff's just junk. It's trash that it happens. It breaks my heart. It does that domestic abuse. But there is so many ways to get involved if that's what breaks your heart. There's so many ways. There's shelters. There's communities. There's, there's giving. There's volunteering. There's thousands of ways to get involved in that, even just praying for it. Maybe it's the poorest, the homeless. Um, like you said, you can't solve the homeless issue, right? We talked about that. You can't solve the needs in that, but you can make a difference in one person's life. And I actually did, I remember one time, talk about cost. I was a senior, that same senior year, that senior year at Virginia Tech, and I, my friends and I were going to go on a cruise. It was the final, you know, spring break. We we're going to go all out and do, you know, just be debaucherous or whatever, you know. You know, I, that's, I mean, I, I, I stopped being debaucherous as much as they were right around that time, starting to really follow Jesus. But I remember this so vividly is God started telling me to go on a missions trip. And I was like, come on, God, like cruise to the Bahamas. Like, really? Like, you make me give this up, Lord. Like, come on. Anyway, he slowly broke my heart for it. And next thing you know, while everyone drove down to go to a cruise, I drove into the worst part of D.C. to do a week-long missions trip, and it changed my life. And I actually called my best friend out on it. I was like, he said, oh, that's awesome. You're going to go volunteer. We're going to have fun at the beach, man. But I, I, you know, I love volunteering. I said, really? When was the last time you volunteered? He got really quiet. He said, you know what? He's like, you want to show me up. He said, I'm going to go on that trip with you. Not because I believe in Jesus, but because I'm going to go show you I can volunteer too. 
five days into the trip, he's crying his eyes out, giving his life to Jesus. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just amazing. It, but it's going to cost you something. But it's a cost that's worth it. Because he's still following Jesus today, and I love this guy so much. It's a different level of, of community I have now with him because he has that relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it's visiting the sick. I remember this time where I was in two jobs. I was, with, I was in master's classes, and I would drive by the hospital every day, and God started saying, hey, the Bible says visit the sick. And I'm like, cool, God, that's for someone else. <laughs> like, cool, call, uh, call me later when I have more time. <laughs> and he said, kept every day I drove by that hospital. You know, God, it's like knock, knock. He's not a, he's not a used car salesman, Pastor Randy would say. He's not, he just, he's not, the deal's not just over today. You know, he'll remind you every day, like, knock, knock, like, hey, that you're supposed to be in there. Finally, I get a chance to go in there. And they told me not to pray for anyone. But how many of you can guess if I listened to that rule? I wasn't a pastor at the time. I was just, you know, you know, helping out in the church a little bit here and there. But it was a blast praying, going to the oncology clinics, believing God for healings and 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 seeing people like getting touched. And they were alone, hadn't had a visitor in weeks. And you're the person who walks in the room with a smile like it touched me. I think I, I was blessed more by it, but it did cost time and it costed comfort. But whatever breaks your heart, you need to step in and do it. And it's not hard. You don't have to be an expert. We make the joke right with the with the students. It's like. The second grader just learned how to cut paper, right? So, so he can help a first grader, right, cut paper, right? So it's, you don't have to be an expert. You just have to know one thing more than the person who knows less than you and help them out. And if you know just a little bit about the sick or the homeless, you can go out and make a difference. They just love to hear their, people to hear, listen to their stories. Everyone can listen to a story. But here's the hard part. We said the cost. It's going to cost you something. And the basic of it is you're going to have to learn to say no to yourself. Look in the mirror and say no to your comfort, no to what you want, and no to what makes you, sometimes what makes you initially happy. But it's so you can say yes to something that's bigger and that's better and that's broader. Like the mission that we have in Christ to reach the world, to go after the people that have never heard that Jesus loves them, and that there's a God who will accept them just as they are. Like we have the mission of, of the best mission that could have ever existed, given straight to us. And so if you want something bigger and better, you're going to have to sacrifice for it. And two of the big things you'll have to sacrifice is attitude and your popularity. Attitude and your popularity. First with attitude. And this is, I like stepping on toes. I'll be honest. I do it with the students all the time. It's too much fun. Um, there's a quote from Andy Stanley. He says this, people who blame things don't change things. So the attitude thing, maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's you're so frustrated at your boss. I've worked under the worst bosses. Trust me. I've under, I understand. You don't get the best things in the food industry. You get, you get some of the worst in there. But... People who blame things don't change things. Maybe it's here in church. Maybe there's something that's, you're not, you don't think a need of yours is being met. Well, step in with a solution. Like people who blame things don't change things. Like be solution-oriented. Jesus actually is an actively involved God with your life, and he wants you to do the same in your world. And whatever your world is, maybe your world is your family right now. Maybe your world is your workplace. Maybe your world is, is, your, is your friends who, who play bridge. My grandma loves bridge. I always make that connection there. He, she loves it. Anyways... <laughs> It's like her, it's like her little mini, uh, her, her, her guilty pleasure. Call her, she's at bridge, never calls me back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, people who blame things don't change things. Come with a solution. Next thing is popularity. Um, I remember this table at Sly Fox when I was working there. So it was a guy, six military guys walk in. And you know as a server, they're going to spend a bunch of money. It's a Friday night, they're going to blow a bunch of money. It's going to be probably a great tip. And so I'm there with them. They're drinking a lot. I'm making jokes. I know they feel welcomed. Um, but I was going to tell the gospel. I'm like, I don't care. 
Like I, my boss might get mad at me. They might get frustrated and tell my boss I was telling Jesus about them. You know, they might not tip me at all. I was ready for it, but they, they knew I loved them just as they were. I was I was making jokes. I wasn't judging them. And then when it came near the end of the check, I started saying, "Hey guys, hey listen, I I, I think that you should know that Jesus loves you guys." Right where you are, you see their faces from laughing just go. And I'm like, but Jesus loves just as you are. I have my little invite cards. I'm like, I'm like, here's some invites. Come to church with me on this Sunday. Like, you're going to love it. It's going to be so much fun. Just wear whatever you want. It's going to be great. And, you know, they're just upset. Like, they just cannot believe I'm bringing up Jesus and they're out drinking on a Friday night. And, again, it wasn't judging them. And, you know, the things that actually happened, they, they, they didn't tell my boss, but they did stiff me on all the tips except for one. But here's the thing. Popularity, right? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you money, maybe. I don't care. Like, I have the greatest news the world has ever heard that Jesus loves you just as you are and he has a purpose for your life and you were always made to walk in that purpose. I don't care that they stiffed me. I don't care that they walked out upset that night. I don't care if they did, that, that they could have told my boss and I got in trouble. Like, this is something I want to give my life to. And the, the fact that Jesus changed my life, I, I can never get over that. I remember sitting on the edge of my bed when I gave my life to Jesus. And I was like, he actually forgave me. Like, he actually forgave me. And I was like, and I could feel his presence. I could feel his love. I knew that he was there with me. And I was just a teenager at the time. But I remember thinking to myself, man, I want everyone to experience this. I want everyone to experience this. And we have the, we have the greatest mission ever to give our lives to. And you have a church that wants to see it happen. This 24 to double, we were talking about it in the back room. Like, it's because you want to see the community change. I love that heart. God honors that heart. There's a mission to give your lives to. I would come tonight if I were you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. Hey, but it's not football season yet, so you can get over yourselves. All right. Listen, I, and I'm counting down the days. I'm going to come up to Virginia Tech's first home game. I'm going to be here. Again, number best school in the world. Everyone say amen. <laughs> Somebody actually said amen. I love it. I love it. Um, now, one other thing, too, I'll give you this. Craig Rochelle said it. He said, if prayer isn't necessary for your life mission, you aren't thinking big enough. So whatever your purpose is, it should be bigger than you, and it's going to require a ton of prayer. A ton of prayer. Um, I want to apply it a little bit even further. Maybe it is the working class. It's hard to bring up Jesus in your working place. So there was this guy. He was a cook in the kitchen. The first time I brought up Jesus to, this, to all the, they call the kitchen, he was on the other side of the kitchen, and he started yelling across the kitchen and saying, if God was real, he wouldn't have allowed my niece to suffer like she did. And you know, I didn't know much, but I knew enough to, to, to shut up right there. Like, I'm not going to bring up why God is good, even though our circumstances aren't, and how we can still remain good. I'm not going to bring up that God has a plan for all things. I just sat there, and I felt his pain. But here's what I didn't do. I didn't give up on him. And there was times I wanted to. I mean, he, was, he was adamantly opposed to the gospel. <laughs> but I, I, was, I wasn't afraid of losing my popularity. And I remember, I, like it was yesterday, the, the first time he came to church with me, with his daughter and his son, his teenage son. And he sat next to me and, and it got to experience the presence of God. And he was just like, it, it, was, it, was, it was mind-blowing. It was life-changing. Like he wanted to change his work schedule so he can come to church with me. The last person I would ever imagine to sit in a pew. This is why God is fun. His, it's exciting. It's eternally making a difference. But he'll surprise you. The last person you'd ever expect in your workplace or your, your friend group to come to Jesus, he'll, he'll, God will do that to, to humble you. He will. He's so, God is so good at what he does. But it's worth it. If you're, if you're in your workplace, um, the critics can become the best stories. Or maybe you're a stay-at-home parent. 
um, challenge. The Bible talks about this all the time is, are you teaching your children to follow Jesus? Are you teaching your son or daughter to follow Jesus? Um, like, do you do family devotionals? Now, you see, as, a, as I can talk from experience, as a father of five, one, two, three. No, nah, I'm kidding. You, you caught me. You caught me. I don't have any actually of my own yet. Laura willing one day. But I will talk about Michael Fletcher's story. Michael Fletcher and Laura have nine kids. Nine. I mean, like, Lord bless her. Laura must be a saint. I mean, like, can't imagine. But this is crazy. All nine of their kids follow Jesus now as adults. And the majority of them are in ministry or married to a pastor in ministry. Like, they're giving their lives to this mission that we have, the Great Commission and the Great Commandments. They're giving their lives to it. And what he says, I'll talk of his experience. He says, all I did is I would just read a proverb to them every night. And I would tell them about how to follow Jesus. Just that simply. Every night I'd read a proverb to my kids. It's just simple. And that's practical wisdom. Gosh, you want to avoid some pitfalls in life, read Proverbs. If you want your students and your children to avoid some pitfalls in life, read Proverbs. And the last thing I'll say is, Craig, is uh, Francis Chan said, raising kids is one of, the, it's one of the best ways to create disciples. Hands down. All right, maybe you're a student. You're in college. Is anyone here in college or a student? Come on, I know it. Listen. I've been in school for longer than I, I think I've been alive. And it's like, or longer than I, I've been like conscious as an adult. And so it's just, it's just mind-blowing what it's like. It's hard, isn't it? So I'll tell you, it, whatever it is, you can bring and honor Jesus into it. And I heard someone tell it to me the other day because I'm getting frustrated living in my classes right now. I have a professor who's doubled my workload. I don't know why he did that, but he did that. He's first-year teacher anyway. But they said this, every time you sit down and do your homework, just say, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. Jesus, I'm going to glorify you in this. And you can take whatever chores, responsibilities you're learning or about school, and, and you can just say, God, it's going to be for you. And then get involved in a ministry. Your job is to reach your student, your, your fellow students. Like, it's incredible. My buddy, Ethan coming, my buddy Ethan coming to know Jesus because I invited him on a mission trip and called him out. And I have friends who I came back to and I told them, listen, I'm not going to do life the way you've been doing life anymore. I'm changing my life. I'm following God. Like two, I remember that time, it was three of them. Two of them said, I'm going to do it with you. And they gave their lives to Jesus that same night. We prayed over them and everything. It was incredible. So you separating yourself from your peers, many will follow. There's a saying that says when you, one person stiffens their back, it stiffens the back of 100 others. So be the one to say no. Last one is retire if you're retired. Here's the thing is I've had retirees pour into me more than anyone else. Like you have so much to give away. God has given you more experience than you could have imagined. God has given you more wisdom and you've been there. You've seen it. You've done it. Like you're the one who should be helping people more than anyone else. And you now have the time. Like this is the ultimate opportunity is to give back. It's to give back and give the wisdom. It's help a family out. If you see a family struggling in Walmart, like, you know, go up and love them. Just maybe make the kid laugh for a little bit and show the parents that you care. Like it, it can be small as that or it can be as much as helping a family over every week. To, to help them learn parenting skills, help them learn how to keep their marriage intact, because that's what holds the family together. Like, if you're a retiree, you have so much to give away, more than anyone else. You know, lead small groups, invest in others, disciple people. And it could just be one person you make a difference in. And yeah, it'll cost you, but it's worth it. And my last thing is, I get to say this, is you just can't let anything distract you from your God-given purpose. Your life is too valuable, your calling is too great, and your God is far too good for you to let your life be distracted by things that will not matter at the, end of, at the end of your life. So I'm telling you, give your life away. It's worth the cost. It's worth the cost. Now, so you heard my story, right? I was sitting there at the edge of, on my, on my seat at a wooden desk at Virginia Tech senior year, and I was asking the question, God, why am I here? What is my purpose? 
And, you know, I didn't figure it out right away. In fact, that took, took, it took a long time to still figure it out. It, and I remember uh, having to go through that issue of what breaks your heart and looking for my purpose that would be powerful for me. And, and, and I knew that the Great Commission, that I would make disciples, whatever it would be. I knew that the Great Commandment, what it was. But it still took time. And it did cost me. It did cost me friends. But I felt the call that God was saying, I want you to go equip my people, which is what a pastor does, is to equip, not to do ministry, but to equip the saints for ministry. Right? That's right. 24, 24 to grow, right? <laughs> is Ephesians 4.10. Is, is, is the idea is that I began to start unwinding that, unraveling it. I didn't know what it was going to look like. You know, even though when you become a pastor, you have to make decisions. You're going to be a youth pastor. You're going to be this pastor. You're going to be the worship pastor. I can't sing, though, so worship pastor was not an option. <laughs> But it took time. And so whatever season you're in, I'll encourage you. It will take time, but God wants to reveal his purpose for you. In whatever season, wherever you are in life, he wants to reveal it for you. Wherever your family is, you know, because I, I know that when your kids are little, it's very different when your kids are teenagers. Because I have lots of parents who come to me asking for help with their teenage son or daughter. It's very different. But I'll tell you, it's worth it. Um, and now... Now, I'm starting to walk in this purpose as a day-by-day thing. I get to see students giving their lives to Jesus. It's incredible. You know, I, I've, I get to see coworkers from Sly Fox, who, and I, I don't work there anymore, but they still come and sit with me at church together. Like, I get to give them little bits of, of help and, and, and every so often be there for them. And it's a purpose that's worth giving your life for. And again, I have to tell you, it's because of Jesus. The gospel is the most offensive, audacious thing in the world. I mean, Really? That murderers get to go to heaven? Please, someone try to justify that to me. But yet, who wrote half the, over half the New Testament? A murderer. You know, Moses, same thing. David, an adulterer and a murderer. And we look to these people as examples. The gospel is the most offensive and audacious thing. But it's the news the world is dying to hear and it's dying to hear through you. And it's something we should never get over. That Jesus would come and die for sinners who are enemies of God. And then rise again to give us hope that we'd have a future. And that he would bring the, the worst of the worst into the family of God. If they would just repent and say no to who they used to be and say yes to who God's calling them to be. It's the most offensive but the most amazing story I've ever heard in my life. And it's one that we should celebrate. And, on, and uh, Elder Sam, I can't think of a better way to celebrate the gospel than by taking communion. So I'm going to pass it over to Elder Sam. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.